Sometimes Harry's outside voice says yes when his inside voice says no. That's how you get roped into skipping a massive feast for rotten fish and a ghost party. Welcome to Belated Binge, the Harry Potter podcast that doesn't take itself or the books too seriously. I'm Zach, and on this episode, I was joined by Christina, the host of the Restricted Section podcast, and we covered Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets, Chapter 8, The Death Day Party. And this one, well, you might just have to listen. October arrived, spreading a damp chill over the grounds and into the castle. Madame Pomfrey, the nurse, was kept busy by a sudden spate of colds among the staff and students. Her pepper-up potion worked instantly, though it left the drinker smoking at the ears for several hours afterward. Ginny Weasley, who had been looking pale, was bullied into taking some by Percy. The steam pouring from under her vivid hair gave the impression that her whole head was on fire. The Belated Binge Podcast. Hi. And welcome to the Belated Binge Podcast. I'm Zach, your host, revisiting some of the most iconic series in recent memory that I was incredibly late on, like our current binge of Harry Potter, where, despite being the same age as movie Harry, within days, I didn't read this series through until my mid-twenties. That's the belated part. Now we're going back, a chapter or two at a time, picking it apart, deep diving what's on the page, speculating about what isn't, particularly Dumbledore's role and his master plan. What did he know, when did he know it, and the motivations guiding the story, and of course, infusing as much sarcasm as humanly possible. That's the binge part. Together, they make the belated binge, and today we continue our reread of Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets with Chapter 8, The Death Day Party. And I'm excited to introduce our special guest for this episode, but before I can do that, because there are rules to this shit... I must tell you, this podcast will have spoilers. This series wrapped up in 2007. If you haven't read them by now, you're even later than I was. This podcast will also have some adult language. You can buy them in the kids section of the bookstore, but I didn't read them till I was a grown-ass man. We have no patrons, so no patron shout-outs. But the moment you've all been waiting for... It is my complete pleasure to introduce you to the host of the Restricted Section Podcast, one of the minds behind the Movie Night Network, the co-founder of an independent book publishing company that just introduced its own podcast, How Do I Book, and all-around badass Potterhead, this is Christina. Hello! Oh my god, what an introduction. I'm going to put all that on my business card. Did I miss anything? Uh, I like hiking. (laughs) I'm sorry I failed you. (laughs) Add it to my CV. I'm putting it down in my notes right now to make sure that I never introduce you again without (laughs) She Likes Hiking. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Of course. Tell however many of those things you want to actually tell me and the tens of people listening about, go for it. The floor is yours. I'd love to. I just love talking about myself. So yeah, I'm the host of the Restricted Section, which is a a super raunchy, silly, uh, adults-only, explicit, uh, pro-trans rights, Harry Potter slander, Harry Potter book club podcast. Um, And we are on our summer break releasing some fun bonus content, but um, we'll be getting into... 
Oh my god, I always Order of the Phoenix. I for some reason I like cannot remember the name of that book. It's just like <laughs> I don't know. Whatever I comes end up after Goblet of Fire. Yeah, I end up just going with book one, book two, book yeah. five, book we will eighty seven. We'll be starting book five in August, so I'm very excited about that. I'm also, yes, the founder of the Movie Night Crew Podcast Network, which has like uh oh my god, one, two, three, four. Six. We have six podcasts. We have a Percy Jackson podcast, an Avatar The Last Airbender podcast, and some other fun stuff. So if you like other fandoms, we got shows for you. Yes, I am also the co-founder of Wildling Press, an independent book publisher that uplifts marginalized voices and educates debut authors. So I do a lot of things. I'm very busy. Yeah. How many podcasts do you actually like host and maybe more importantly have to edit? <laughs> Just to the restricted section and the how do i book um which is wildlings podcast um they're very different so that helps with the editing how do i book <laughs> is like 20 minute episode format which mm. uh is a lot better than the restricted sections 90 minutes if we're lucky format i have to ask do we are does our episode still hold the longest episode fucking ever yes uh, on the podcast yes I, I will in fact never permit an episode to go beyond <laughs> that because zach came on for veritas serum which is like let's explain the entire plot of goblet of fire to you so i, I wasn't about to be like quickly we have to get through this quickly like <laughs> we, i think we were going through line by line of his confession and being like let's break this down a minute we did. We did line by line of his confession. We also did like line by line of the leading up to it, like it was the just spiral. So much. It's a beautiful chapter, truly. So, um, it yeah, really you're, is. if if I get my way, there will never be a longer episode than that. <laughs> I, I think it. I think it clocked in at like two hours and twenty minutes or something like that. Yeah, it was. It was bonkers. And of course, I listened to it from a fan perspective. The moment that it released. <laughs> and I made it through the whole thing. Oh my god, very impressive. I may or may not have muted myself several times on one of my rambling tangents, but that's fine. Well, when I was getting ready for this episode, um, this morning I was listening to our Death Day episode, which we mm. released in 2020. Um, that was back before I understood how audio worked. That was back before... <laughs> Um, a lot of things about the restricted section got good and I was it was like zoom audio and I was like oh my god I used to talk so much like I, <laughs> I, I talk a lot now but I've like learned to let my guests speak it's a good but start it was a bad I was like oh god I don't need to listen to this one again that's for sure <laughs> I I didn't and now that you mentioned it, I should have this week listened to when you guys went back to do that. I remember going back to book two for your podcast, though, when we were talking about what chapter we were going to do together. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I just started listening to some of the random chapter two episodes. I don't remember how far I got. Um, I don't think I made it to Death Day. But you chose this chapter. And in a minute, we're going to find out why. But I have so many more questions for you before we can even talk about Harry Potter. Okay, I'm ready. For, first of all, how did you start a book publishing company? Wow. Um, a lot of paperwork. Basically, <laughs> um, I, my colleagues and I have been working together in independent book publishing for a long time. And we just like, there's not a ton of options here where we live in Richmond, Virginia. And we just like didn't love, we didn't love our options. There wasn't a lot of 
um, forward thinking. There's, it, they weren't very contemporary. Uh, I don't even need to talk shit, but we just thought we could perhaps like do it better. Um, so we, we just did. We were like, we're going to start the publishing company that Richmond really needs. Um, and then just a lot of unpaid labor and paperwork. <laughs> Speaking of unpaid labor, will you review my Sons of Anarchy fanfic and lie to me that it doesn't suck? I would be so happy to. For free, Do I need of course. to have read uh, or watched Sons of Anarchy to understand? Actually, no. Okay, cool. You wouldn't perfect. because I tried, uh, and this is so fucking stupid, but I'm going to say it anyways. It was when the like pandemic first started and we were totally like shut in mm-hmm. and had an infant and I was kind of losing my mind yeah. with creative energy, I guess you could say. I hadn't uh, started this podcast yet. I hadn't done anything like that. So, um, But what I had done is read that the creator of Sons of Anarchy was like fired by the network and it was a whole mess or whatever. And I realized that we weren't going to get the sequel that was kind of like promised. Oh, my God. And I wanted it. So I just started writing it. Write the sequel you wish to see in the world. Yes. And I have no doubt. It's absolutely awful. I haven't read it. I just started <laughs> writing. <laughs> and, and I stopped at some point because I realized I'm not good at this. What am I doing? <laughs> that is so brave of you to be real with yourself like that. Oh, it's, yeah. Um, I'm sure that what was written had some nuggets in it that didn't suck horrifically, but I had no idea where it was going. Mm-hmm. So I have no doubt that as a whole, it sucked horrifically. Perhaps so, feels rambly. It's like, where are we going? I, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> I. But there's there's plenty of there's plenty of I guess setup. Ah, uh, yes, the setup book <laughs> for those like you who didn't watch the series and like you know here's how this person relates to that person because like well they're his children so we should probably mention that he exists whatever it it doesn't matter it's bad uh i won't even read it um but if maybe one day i'll have too many beers and send it to you and you can (laughs) not open that email i anxiously await the day (laughs) okay on to harry potter Uh, so I mentioned earlier when I asked you to come on the podcast and we were trying to figure out what to cover, you chose this death day chapter. Why? I just feel like it's really iconic of Chamber of Secrets. Chamber of Secrets, I call it the Halloween book because it feels like Halloween from start to finish. Hmm. Yeah, def- like um, it just feels that way. Like it's very spooky. It's very vibey, um, and I just I've always lamented that this scene did not make it into the film. I think it would have been really fun, and the way that they had to like cut the story in the film around this scene to make it work was like <laughs> a nonsense timeline, you know? Yeah. Um. But I just, I just really enjoy it. I think it's fun. I think the whole subplot with nearly headless Nick and the headless hunt is like very silly, and um, this is like a very visual, very like visceral chapter. You can like smell it. You can taste it. <laughs> you can feel you, it. <laughs> you can smell it. You can taste it. The cringe is uh, abundant. Yeah, abundant I would cringe. Say. Yeah, yeah. A whole buffet of cringe for you. Uh, 
a rotten, a rotten uh, maggoty, spoiled mag. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Absolutely. This. So if if that's what you're into, this is the chapter for you. Well, you told uh, me that you don't really <laughs> like this chapter. Is that right? I really, I really don't. And so, I also said that before I reread it. Right, so mm-hmm. this is like me going back through this. So I've been surprised a couple of times. It actually just happened to me a couple chapters ago, uh, the Gilderoy Lockhart chapter, Ugh, classic, which I am so not a fan of, Ugh. as in my memory. Okay, and I I was like, maybe I'll just put six and seven together and just kind of skip over this one because it sucks that bad. Mm-hmm. And how the hell am I going to make a podcast episode out of this? I totally had to re do my plan and just cover chapter six because there was stuff in there that I completely forgot about. Yeah. Like, oh, I forgot we got that set up here. And this, uh, you know, like the Justin Finch Fletchley introduction is in there. Yeah. And especially with the, her, uh, the first couple books, like the, Mm -hmm. the chapters have so much in them because there's so few chapters in the book. Like this one too has a lot of stuff going on besides the death day party. The death day party is kind of like a distraction from what's actually going on. It is. And that's again, it, I had forgotten some of that stuff. I just remembered the death day party itself. And yeah. I'm like, oh, we have to deal with moaning Myrtle oh and God. Peeves in the same room. The same and room. oh my gosh, I am so glad I don't have to go through this by myself. <laughs> <laughs> Misery loves company. My, oh. But there was, yeah, it was like, oh, I forgot it started this way. And of course, we're going to get into all of that. But it, yeah, I there was stuff in this one too. I'm. I keep being surprised by my own ability to forget when certain setup happened Mm -hmm. and certain like foreshadowing and nuggets got dropped, which is funny because that's like my favorite part of the series is (laughs) where those things are like strategically placed. But the chapters are never named after those things. No. So you don't know. It's hard to keep track of when they're going to, they're like bookending the thing that happens in the chapter is like bookended by the actual important thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a very astute point from the eyes of an editor. I just think, hey, I can totally remember everything that happened in that seven book series that I listened to on audiobooks <laughs> when I was 25. Yeah, I won't forget anything. No way. Anyways. Uh, okay, so in case you were obliviated or you got your Hogwarts letter late, let's shove our faces in that white liquidy substance of our pensive. In the last chapter, Mudbloods and Murmurs, Harry spends a lot of time trying to dodge his new groupie, Colin Creevy, whose level of Harry obsession rivals that of Ginny's. And at this point, only instead of being able, uh, being unable to speak around him, he's unable to shut up. Uh, <laughs> Oliver's Wood is super into Quidditch and tries to have crack a dawn practice, which is just so frustrating but uh the plans are foiled by slytherin being there at the same time the dick measuring contest is interrupted by a broom measuring contest which escalates into racial slurs from our best friend malfoy who has no agency and is not responsible for any of his actions at any point in time in this series a hex gone wrong by ron who starts vomiting slugs and then we have detention with lockhart who's a douchebag as usual and harry starts hearing voices it's a heavy chapter you didn't hear that episode you should probably go back and listen to it because that's only the tip of the i I don't know can you use iceberg here is there a harry potter equivalent to there you go that'll work i'll take that not a harry potter reference can i just say that you have such a lovely radio voice like it's so perfect like thank you 
Thank you. Love I do it. appreciate that. I miss working in radio. It was the funnest thing I've ever done for money in my life. The problem is there wasn't much of the money yeah. <laughs> and I wasn't paying any of my bills and I was wasting the student loan debt that I was accruing because it just kept accruing more interest because I couldn't even afford to pay off the interest. Right. That's just a peek behind the curtain of small market radio, kids. <laughs> and now you're podcasting, which is uh, a, huge, now I'm podcasting. a huge money rake. Just so much money from podcasting. Oh, for sure. <laughs> uh, I've My total is up to, I think, roughly negative hundreds of dollars is mm-hmm. where I'm yep. at currently with my earnings from yeah. podcasting. Yep. Uh, okay so before we can get into this week's chapter we have to close the book on last week and recap our expecto plot changeo this is the part of the show where we theorize on what we would expect to change in our story if we made one small change to the plot of the chapter we are covering in the last episode I asked what if Ron's wand wasn't broken by the Whomping Willow. Amy on Facebook chimed in and uh, actually had two points. So before we get to the expecto plot changeover from Amy, uh, she also had made mention regarding uh, me calling the Howlers kind of the Wizarding World version of Internet Keyboard Warriors. She said, I think it's more along the lines of those parents that put their kids on TikTok or put a sign around their neck outside to, like, shame them, like the Wizarding World version of public shaming. Um, but specifically on the Expecto Plot change question, uh, regarding Ron's wand, if it had not been broken, he probably would have gotten into huge trouble for cursing Draco, possibly dragging his father into it, and getting Arthur into trouble in the process. And obviously, all the future issues with the wand, both in school and with his role in the trio, would have been different as well, making him more capable. Thanks, Amy. So before I get into my perspective, Christina, what do you think? If you can remember back to Mudbloods and Murmurs, what went down, how would it have possibly changed if Ron's wand wasn't jacked? I'm not like... Uh, I don't know. I'm not completely confident in Ron's ability to, like, perform magic. He (laughs) he did it to himself, so I guess he knew the spell. I don't know where he learned that spell from. Um, But I guess that would be, like, a worst-case scenario because Malfoy would have eaten slugs, and he would have been vomiting Max missing slugs, and he would have been like, my father will hear about this. (laughs) And then... Uh, Lucius Malfoy is like so involved in this book that I think that there could have been real repercussions for Ron with Lucius Malfoy's intervention. I think I can follow you down a lot of that. I really, I, so I won't even, getting into my thoughts, I'm going to actually skip ahead because I think you're right on most of that. The only thing that I would say is that one, it would be totally deserved if Draco's the one vomiting the slugs instead of Ron. For sure. Uh, two, I think it probably does have ramifications with Lucius at this point in time because he's actually on the board of governors. Mm-hmm. But I think it's probably glossed over a little bit because 
if we learn anything in these books, it's that magical violence always goes unpunished at Hogwarts. You're right about that. Uh, and it's not like this would be the only time that Draco gets, like, hexed or cursed at, from this group in these book series. And at no point in time does it have, you know, have too big of ramifications. So my brain went immediately farther into the future. Mm-hmm. If Ron's wand isn't broken, Lockhart doesn't have his memory charm backfire. Oh, true. Okay, okay. I see. We're doing a whole thing here. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. That's that's super true. So he could have really ruined the entire climax of this book. Absolutely. So Ron's definitely obliviated. How does Harry get out of the chamber and, like, best Lockhart in that situation? Sheer dumb luck. <laughs> uh, no, but for real, I think it would have been just like protagonist shield. He like grabs the sleeve or something. <laughs> yeah. It, it, I don't. Yeah. He doesn't have the. And this is probably my biggest problem with Harry as a character in the entire series. He doesn't have any formidable skills on his own, particularly not at 12. So I don't know how he comes out of that. Yeah. So. Next question, is Ron permanently damaged like Lockhart, or was that level of obliviation more because the wand was jacked when he did it? Um, I think Lockhart also hits his head when that happens. I think that when he gets mm. like blasted back by the obliviation spell and hits his head, so that could he could have gotten concussed at the same time, and that could have like led to how ba- badly he reacts to it. Um, yeah, I, they do say that the only thing Lockhart is good at is obliviating. So I would hope that Ron would have been fine and maybe it would have even been reversible. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, I also, I posed this in a previous episode as well. Uh, I don't think that Lockhart got to this point by s- just l- flat out wiping people's memories. So I think that would be way too detectable. I think he's actually good at and is able to just, like, manipulate their memory a little bit mm. to be able to get away with this shit for years and not get detected. Uh, so that's interesting. But I think most importantly out of this whole thing is the title of this book just Secrets of Snakes with Gilderoy Lockhart at that <laughs> point then? <laughs> I, I do like that. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Secrets with Snakes. Because all of his books are very much like literations or whatever whatever they call that in your world. Yeah, that's that's the word. I don't <laughs> have that kind of vocabulary. Um, so, what's Dumbledore's next move if Harry's actually obliviated? Can he oh, reverse man. it? I guess I maybe maybe he could reverse it. When... He probably could have cured Lockhart, but he's like, no, this guy sucks. Let him just <laughs> keep sucking with no memory. God, it's just so hard because Dumbledore, like, would doom a man to forgetting who he is for the rest of his life. He is like, oh, I I literally forgot about you, Lockhart. Let me just fix you up. Like, <laughs> I, you, it's, it's so hard to know what Dumbledore is doing on purpose, what he is simply overlooking, and what he's doing, like, by accident. Yeah. Well, because I can't, like, I can't stop going down rabbit holes, so we're going to go even deeper let's Mm -hmm. say harry is just bonkers Mm -hmm. he's still essential to defeating voldemort if he's alive 
for Dumbledore's whole master plan. I think then if if Harry doesn't remember anything and like you have to start from scratch with him, he has like short term memory loss like Dory from Finding Nemo. I think that you would instead of subtly offering him as bait, which is what ultimately happens, I think you just overtly offer him as bait. You're like, here, Voldemort, come and get him. Voldy, Voldy, Voldy. Yep, that's my my exact note on this is is he a sacrificial lamb in waiting? Yep. Yeah. Um so then so then what? Is does this series become Severus Snape and the or does oh. it perhaps go Neville Longbottom and the Both of those characters deserve an actual redemption arc. Neville gets one, Snape does not, if you ask me, get an actual redemption arc in the book series as it is that he's like, But I loved your mother even after she said no and then died. <laughs> Um, But if you give him the redemption arc of becoming the actual hero and being the downfall of Voldemort, yeah, that's a redemption arc. Yeah, it is a redemption arc. I think I probably stop reading. Yeah, you can't really (laughs) switch protagonists like this. It's it's tough. I just, I have such, I'm the anti-Snape apologist. Yeah. Personally. Fuck um, him. He's the worst. He's a <laughs> he child really abuser. Is. He's an incel <laughs> exactly. abuser. Exactly. He doesn't even uh, shower. Yeah, and <laughs> I struggle with the other one too, because at this point, like, Neville is brave, but he's useless. Like at this he would point abs- for sure. Yeah, he he would he would definitely have to be like sucking up to Hermione. It would accelerate his glow up if he had this this responsibility foisted upon him. Maybe, but he doesn't even have his own wand yet either. Neville? Isn't that kind of the turning point for Neville? Yeah, because he's oh, like yeah. using his dad's old wand totally and he doesn't get his own that. until... Yeah, and then all of a sudden he's like, oh, look, Neville's a badass and he's also hot, apparently. So it worked out pretty well for the movies on the in the timing aspect. That actor was like, I'm not... Do you know this? That actor, after the second or third movie, he was like, I'm not wearing the fake buck teeth anymore, and I'm not wearing the fake fat suit anymore. Did you know there are girls on this set? I'm not doing it. <laughs> so they were like, oh, crap, okay, I guess he's hot now, whatever. I mean, they all went through puberty, so, like, it was bound Ooh. to happen. It happened in Goblet of Fire. Everyone's just pubing so hard. <laughs> Although the the voice change for Dan Ratcliffe between movie one and movie two is like, it's kind of rough. These poor children had like their entire use on display for everyone yeah. to see. Yeah, that's that's terrible. But the good thing is we all got to have them exploited for our own pleasure and uh, <laughs> entertainment, which is great. I mean, they I'm sure they were paid handsomely or at handsomely. least handsomely and daniel radcliffe is doing it all right now with his career he's like give me your weirdest most fucked up roles and i'm <laughs> on it he's just trying to have fun yeah he's all right let me see sorry I'm trying to get prepped for this next part of the thing yeah he i can't even follow what he's doing like you know some actors or actresses or act i i don't know what the, <laughs> what the i love that that would be um you can kind of follow their career trajectory and like understand the parts that they're taking you're kind of like oh okay yeah this is all i kind of see what's happening here him 
I got no idea. I'm just like, he does yeah, whatever sure. the fuck he, he wants. He can totally be weird out yanking. Yes, Why I'm not? so excited for that. <laughs> I'm so excited for that. I respect the hell out of it. Oh, anyways. Um, okay. So that rabbit hole aside, uh, we need to, and I'm ready to go with my selfie stick. I don't actually have a selfie stick. I should probably get one of those <laughs> so this angle isn't so rough. Um, okay. This week's Expecto Plot Change Your Question from Chapter 8 of Chamber of Secrets, The Death Day Party, is what if Harry didn't find Filch's quick spell brochure? Mm-hmm. Does he still get out of trouble? Does it change anything that happens in the chapter? Right. What about beyond? Let me know your thoughts to be included in the next episode of the podcast. Okay. This video that I just took uh, will be posted on social media across Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. You can respond with your thoughts on any of those platforms or as a voicemail on my website, belatedbinge.com. Christina, do you have any thoughts on that one since we're not going to have you around for the next episode? That's so hard because like the the fact that... I almost said Daniel Radcliffe. Um, the fact that <laughs> Harry finds the squib, the quick quotes thing that's talking about squibs is not... The book doesn't have that scene as a character thing for Filch. It has that scene as a world building thing for Harry so that he understands what a squib is later when he needs to. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so like I don't I don't know if it would change anything. He, Filch came back ready to write Harry up, but like uh yeah, it's it's hard to know. It's hard to say. Hmm. Well, I will get into my thoughts next week cuz mm-hmm. that's how this shit works. Now, Finally, we're, what, uh, 30 minutes in, and we're actually going to talk about the chapter. This is not a quick quotes episode. (laughs) (laughs) No, it is absolutely not. Uh, So let's dive into this week's chapter with... We've reached the point where our wands connect. Not the tips, just the streams. (laughs) So we can recap what went down in the chapter we just read. This week, chapter 8, the death day party begins depressing as shit it's rainy it's cold people are getting sick it's gross Uh, (laughs) luckily there's pepper up potion which is something we definitely need yeah how much do you want that i so bad so bad i feel like i would be one of those weirdo people though that would just drink it ahead of time or i would avoid it completely because that's kind of how i treat medications uh, it's I like not a medication though. It health. almost reminds me of like if you make a hot toddy, like tea with whiskey in it. You know, it's like it's just like mm, good all the way down, just clear you out a little <laughs> bit. Yeah, I can see that. Isn't it supposed to be like? Isn't there supposed to be something similar to this in in our real world where it's like literally you drink pepper filled something and it like just w- awakens the senses to a point where it cleans you out? Oh, I've never heard of that. I don't know. I always think of the, um, what does my mom always try to make me do? And it, a neti pot. Ew, I can't do those. Yeah, I I would just drown. Uh, Yeah, it does make you feel like you're drowning. Some people swear by them and like, good for you that you don't need your sinuses, I guess. But they, I tried it, because I historically have had terrible problems with congestion. And Mm. the neti pot is just, makes it, made it so much worse for me. I my mom's one that just swears but every t- if you think you're getting a sniffle just drown yourself. I think that's her goal. <laughs> like I think she's just like, "All right, breathe in right now." 
it's uh, like anyway. a drowning yourself to avoid having a cold is like killing a unicorn with a bomb like it's like you're doing way too much <laughs> way too much uh speaking of drowning someone um harry's coming back from more quidditch practice covered in mud and has a chat with nearly headless nick about the headless huntsman plot that we'll get into in a bit um I think this is the first that we've heard of it in the books, though. Like, I know the first movie just kind of, like, slides it in right away. Hmm. But I can't remember if that was a movieism or if, like, Nearly Headless Nick is just applying every single year. Allow me to refer to uh, the Sorting Hat chapter. Hmm. And then it says Gryffindor. And then... Uh, Gryffindor! Uh, nearly headless Nick. Bah, bah, bah. My man's a muggle. My dad's a witch. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't see it at first glance. So, yeah, I'm thinking that they kind of just transposed it from here into the first film as a way to describe like nearly headless Nick. Yeah, I'd give him something to do. Yeah, yeah. So, okay. So then he's probably not applying every year. But I'm wondering how many times he has He's applied. been applying for 500 straight years. <laughs> but, like, why? His head hasn't fallen off, and he's isn't going to have yeah, his he head should, fall the rest of the way off. Like, what's he doing? He should at least wait for new leadership to step in before trying to reapply. So I guess. I don't know. Uh, anyways. Um, well, the, the conversation's cut short. Because Filch is in a mood, and that's where the wanting to drown somebody comes in. He's all pissy. He he has the flu, and he's the only non-magical person in this castle, and he's cleaning up mud off the floor without magic with the flu. I get it. I get it. I get it. His job sucks. He's also a dick. He he is, (laughs) but I catch me with the flu, completely horizontal. I'm not getting up off the couch. I'm with you. This is what he should be doing. See, here's the thing. Here's and people people just like just completely shit on Dumbledore for like why is this guy here? Why does this guy have to always do this? Like Dumbledore, what are you doing making him clean up all this messes? I actually have this weird headcanon that like Dumbledore hasn't asked him to do this. Yeah, that makes sense to me. And like Dumbledore would have easily let this dude just like go lay in a cot whenever he yeah. wanted. But like he has the self-importance of like yeah. if, this, if I don't have my mop, this won't get done. <laughs> Well, and we've um, we've theorized over on the restricted section that um, like Filch is always writing students up and like submitting a lot of paperwork to Dumbledore, and we have this yeah. headcanon that Dumbledore just has a a folder that's like Filch paperwork, and when Filch turns in his paperwork, he's just like thanks, bud, and he just puts it in the box and never looks at it again to humor him. That might possibly come up later because I feel like I may have had that thought as i was (laughs) writing the outline for this uh for this episode um yeah i guess that's just i've also heard i don't know if you've heard um the super carlin brothers have this theory that i refer to them a lot by the way um i think this may be the only thing of theirs i have ever watched is what you're about to say that he's also a poltergeist yeah did you send me that video no oh somebody else sent me that video specifically and i was like Okay, I'm finally gonna watch Super Carlin Brothers. They they've got some really good ones. Like usually, what happens is I watch one of theirs, 
And I'm like, that's a really interesting thought. And then I go down my own mm-hmm. just spiral of theorizing because, you know, I still hold, cling to this notion that after 20 years of fandom, there might be an original thought left to have. I mean, we're both doing podcasts about it, so let's pray to God that there's some original <laughs> thoughts left for us. Right. Um, so, anyways, he, he's all pissy with Harry about the mud, and he takes him to his office. This is where we learn that Filch has an office. Mm-hmm. Why does Filch have an office? For the paperwork. For all the paperwork. <laughs> I don't want to degrade his position, but I don't recall the schools that I went to. And I went to several. There was like seven of them. <laughs> they didn't have janitor's offices? I don't remember a single master of the custodial arts well, having an office. There's like, Filch is like a caretaker. And he does. He has responsibility. A janitor at your high school could not write you up. Like they could not yeah. discipline you. So he has, he really is like a rogue sheriff out there. Yeah. He's Dwight. Yes. But, like, with less power. <laughs> yes, he's like Dwight from The Office, right? Yeah. Oh, my God. That's great. That's a fanfic crossover that needs to be written by somebody other than me because I have no talent for it. And Dumbledore um, is Michael Scott. That could work. Oh. That could work. Okay. We have a side project. Um, I hope that you're not busy for the next 12 to 48 hours. The office is as dingy as Filch's personality. Uh, it seems to reek of desperation for authority and likely three day old cheese. Um, and as uh, he's writing Harry up, which ironically in my notes I had with two S's, which works either way uh he apparently does a lot of writing students up as you said and here it is in my notes what's dumbledore doing with all these suggested (laughs) punishment requests from filch and he he has a lot of his own files so is there is there like a carbon copy situation going on i have no doubt it's the white yellow pink yeah like pamphlet thing that's what he's using so one tearing off one one goes to dumbledore one he keeps the original and then the third copy goes into the official school records which is also something that he invented that no one else cares about yes absolutely okay we're getting it together now it's all coming so dumbledore's filing cabinet for these is definitely the same as speaking of the office pam's special filing cabinet oh yes michael scott's uh memos from corporate right (laughs) which for the four of you that have not seen the office is a trash can my husband is a dj and they have a joke where they'll put a post-it that says requests on a garbage can (laughs) it's okay we're going down into i did that (laughs) job and it's 100% accurate. Yeah. These kids will come up to the, hey, can you play this? And No. I'll never forget because, like, a wedding DJ is not the same as, like, a DJ who does it for the love of the art of DJing. And so my mm-hmm. husband spins house and drum and bass, which is, like, electric dance music, right? And mm-hmm. I'll never forget this one party where this drunk-ass bitch came up and was like, can you play John Mellencamp? And Sean was like, <laughs> no. no. I can't. No. First of all, you are misunderstanding the vibe here right now. Second of all, I don't do not physically have that song. No. Have you? No, we're not going to play that. You've seen The Office, so it stands to reason that you've probably watched Parks and Rec as well. 
I have, yeah. There's an episode, and I don't remember what they're preparing for, but Tom is uh, making a playlist for some event. I don't remember. And he has... Um, he has this like speech about like, about like, before I put any song on my playlist, I ask myself, I ask myself, is it a banger? Uh, are there any acoustic instruments used? How many drops are there? How dope are the drops? Don't forget, we are the vibe curators. And I always think of that. It's like, that is not the vibe. I'm curating a vibe and your acoustic music is not the vibe right now. No, there is a vibe for that. And it is not here. (laughs) Anyways. We interrupt this uh, conversation about DJing and the office in Parks and Rec to talk about Harry Potter. <laughs> um, we're interrupted in Filch's office by a loud crash, and Filch knows that this crash is Peeves. He just can Isn't feel it, it always? because they're both poltergeists. <laughs> um, wow. Oh, my God. That's so true. <laughs> Look, Peeves is... Filch might be as obsessed with Peeves as Colin Creevy is with Harry Potter. Yeah, that's true. Or more. Why are you so I don't obsessed know if you with me? And this is where I know you personally are thinking, or Harry and Draco, so go ahead. Just say it. <laughs> it's true. Why are you so obsessed with each other? It's because just, you're in love. Just say it. Uh, so on that point, all right. Right now, in this point of the books, I think it's the other way around. Draco spent the entirety of Sorcerer's Stone plotting against Harry. He spent his entire summer talking about Harry with his dad. that's true. Ironically, so did Ginny. (laughs) And he couldn't wait to corner him when he saw him at the bookstore in that dad fighting chapter. Dad fight? Oh, my God. Another tragic (laughs) loss from the movies. Right. I always forget that happens, and when I read it, I'm like, they're fighting! (laughs) Yes! Yes, and Arthur actually throws like the first. It says he just knocks him into a bookshelf. Doesn't matter. My imagination is he just decks him. Anyways, uh, all Harry's done so far is try to avoid Draco because he's a fucking bully. Yeah, and it's like it's like a slow burn thing, and it's it's mostly Draco having very mixed feelings for Harry. It's like an intense obsession and he's not, you know, it's love, but he's like, it's hate. And oh, it's hate. And then I feel like it's around like book six. It's like the sectum sempra thing that makes me feel like the whole, like it's shifted and it's like, Harry is now into Draco. I just can't get myself there with that ship. I just can't. I don't, I know people do. I know people love it. I just can't. Here's the thing. As we mentioned earlier in this episode, there's so few original things to talk about. So it's like, okay, well, let's change around some of these relationships. See how that works out. My favorite thing from my podcast is our guest Danny pointed out that it makes a lot more sense if Snape was in love with James instead of Lily. And that changed my whole perspective about the whole story is adding that element to it. Snape was in love with James, not Lily. That I can actually get behind. Yeah. That makes a hell of a lot more sense to me than the Harry Draco thing. So here's what I can't get behind. Personally. And um, I'll, there's a lot of Draco Hermione shippers out there. That's Ugh. what I cannot get behind. It doesn't make any sense. Like, I don't I don't know. Like, I, it's like Draco, Draco and Harry kind of like mutually are shitty to each other. But Draco bullies Hermione racially. <laughs> and it's like, don't ship those people. Yeah, I can't. I, I just can't. I, like what you like. 
you know, take your headcanon wherever you want to take it. But, like, you're not bringing me on that ride. Yeah. You know? <laughs> like, it's just not going to happen. Yeah. Because I also, even into what you were saying, like, even in by the time Half-Blood Prince does roll around, Harry's definitely obsessed with Draco. Mm-hmm. But it's more like Snape's obsession with Harry. It's like I know you're Snape's up to something. obsession with his mom. I, it's like yeah. I literally know you're up to something. I'm gonna figure it out. Yeah, and and I don't think he would have been if anyone would have fucking listened to him. Interesting. Like if anyone would have given him the time of day and like taken him seriously when he brought it up several times. And by the way, he was right the entire time. Yeah. Like. I don't think he would have gone to the extremes of obsession over it that he would, but in his mind, he's has the hero complex. He's obsessed with playing the hero, and he's like, nobody else is going to do anything about this, and I know shit's about to go bad. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, like, always what drives Harry to action, is that he, like, really feels in his heart that something's happening, and, like, no one's listening to him, and he has to go handle it himself. Yeah. Yeah, and it's... It's solidified for us in the first book, and I brought that up on my podcast way back then. It's like when they did finally try to come and get help from, like, get McGonagall to go get Dumbledore and get help with the whole Sorcerer Stone debacle, mm-hmm. they were shut down by authority. And it's like, well, this had to happen mm-hmm. because these kids have to get it ingrained into their brains that adults aren't going to help you you have to do this yourself otherwise we don't have a series otherwise you don't have young adult or middle grade fiction if they're if if you if like the adults are always doing the right thing like these kids aren't responsible (laughs) for any of these problems yeah they do none of this even happens uh anyways we're sidetracked uh yet again it happens i'm so Uh, sorry oh it this is literally why i podcast (laughs) so instead of just booking it when Filch goes after Peeves, which I have no doubt was nearly headless Nick's uh, intention with this whole distraction, he turns into a little snooper and finds Filch's quick spell pamphlet, which I absolutely read like an infomercial. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Billy Mays here with quick spell. (laughs) Right. Uh, So anyways, of course, Filch comes in just talking to himself so that we can get an Easter egg shaped vanishing cabinet plot. Oh, my God. Uh, And (laughs) his his timing is such that he must catch Harry reading this thing. And he's more embarrassed than if he found a pamphlet for VD treatment. Huh. Pretty much what this is. Um, I would probably say like erectile dysfunction. Viagra. Bottle of Viagra. (laughs) Yeah. And it's like, oh, no, he knows. (laughs) Yeah, uh, or or like the uh, the prescription for it or whatever. Yeah, like you didn't find the bottle, you didn't find the smoke. You find gun, the pamphlet. You found, like, the... It says Viagra yeah. and oh. you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, that's what this feels. Anyway, Mrs. Norris probably wishes it wasn't an allegory. That's gross. It, uh, wait, it makes a lot of sense <laughs> because both of them are like your wand isn't working right. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. Like I don't know. Am I using allegory properly yeah. here? By the way, I'm I'm only partly Ravenclaw because I'm kind of dumb. Yeah. I would. Yeah. Allegory is great. Okay. I'm only partly so... Ravenclaw because I'm dumb. <laughs> so he kicks Harry out uh, under the promise not to share his friend's secret floppy wand problem, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and that's when we get Nick back, who we learn was the one who got Peeves to create the diversion in the first place. What a bro. Which is a- I, literally i wrote down total bro um which is a 
phrase I would never use in my real life. Uh, thank you, podcasting, for opening <laughs> up this this vocabulary in me. <laughs> and when Harry says he wishes he could do something for him too, he should immediately wish that he hadn't because this is when Nick invites him to his death day party. Here's my problem with Harry forever. And I, at least my podcast is covered through the end of Goblet of Fire. So at least through the end of Goblet of Fire, Harry is incapable of saying the thing he's thinking. And mm-hmm. it, got, it gets him into so much trouble, and he, he acts like such a victim because he just chooses not to say the thing that would resolve the situation. So, like, he's like, yeah, when he wants to say no. So, like, <laughs> just say no. And there's um a lot of this in Goblet of Fire where things are just happening, and he's like, oh, I wish I could say a word to fix this. Like, um when he has that terrible interview with Rita Skeeter, and then, like, a couple chapters later... Rita Skeeter is trying to schedule an interview with Hagrid right in front of Harry. And Harry's like, wow, she's really going to write a lot of mean things about Hagrid. And I wish there was something I could do about it. And it's like, you could tell him. You could just say <laughs> say it to your friend. Yeah. Yeah. You could just tell him not to do it. Yeah. Use your words. So it's like, I don't, I, Harry, also, you got to learn to say. Also, Hagrid's a grown ass man. Yeah, well, but he, if Harry has information that he feels like Hagrid yes. needs, say it to him. I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm also saying Hagrid is a grown-ass man. It's true. but It shouldn't be Harry's responsibility. <laughs> right. He should know that Rita Skeeter is like this. Um, yeah. But in this situation, it's like, yeah, go to that fucking death day party because you couldn't muster the strength to say, oh, sorry, I have other plans. Yeah, it's... the it. Ah. This is exactly... All right, so my toddler is obsessed with the show Bluey, which I imagine you've never seen. I have heard a lot from my p- parent friends, and I've never seen it in my life. It's the... it. I can dig it because there's a lot of good, like, adult humor hidden in nice. it. Nice. Um, That's awesome. Some of, my, some of my favorite episodes, like, make fun of, uh, like, a lot of stuff just subtly, and it's great. Um, like, this kid, they go up to this... Uh, in a market, they go up to this guy who's selling donuts and shit and she's like does this have any flour or wheat or sugar or added da, 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 and like goes down the list of like all the things that you can't eat if you're eating organic and he looks at her and goes that's all they have in them <laughs> anyways the bluey episode i'm thinking about is um the little four-year-old uh keeps letting um her bigger sister or like her parents kind of like take the thing that she she wants to say no and eventually the mom looks at her and goes does sometimes your outside voice say yes when your inside voice means no oh and she goes and yeah (laughs) and they you know they resolve the thing that's what i'm thinking of when you're talking about harry (laughs) it's a funny show uh and the dad is awesome he never knows anything that's going on in this game but he is 100 percent committed and just into it yes i love that Anyways, uh, so of course the death day party is happening at the same time as the Halloween feast, and Harry is terrible in awkward situations. So, yep, we're going to a death day party. Hermione's down. That's like by the rude. Way. Like, um, it's like your friend who gets married on Christmas. It's like that's yeah. rude of you. Yeah, yeah. Chris, uh, mine was bad enough. I got married during a uh, very prominent um, college football game. Uh, I didn't. I didn't get to choose. Oh, we have different friend groups. In my friend group, that would not have mattered to anybody. <laughs> oh, it there. It didn't happen. It didn't matter to my wife and most of her friends. All there right. were a couple of us that like kept checking phones. <laughs> um, 
it was also my dad's birthday. Uh, so shout out to my dad wow. for uh, having a happy birthday oh, wait, on my that, wedding anniversary. That reminds me. Um, you said that your birth that you're like the same age as Harry within a few days. Does that mean your birthday's mm-hmm. coming up? Mm-hmm. When's your birthday? In August. What? Oh, okay. You're a Leo. Yeah, we're. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, sign. and it's the same like year. That's so funny. as the movie canon would have gone. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Um, thanks. So it was perfectly normal for me to read like three of these books and totally put them down and not <laughs> pick them up again. Until Just because the character is the same age as you doesn't mean you have to connect with them at I, all. If I if I do this. And put my glasses on. Oh my god, you just became Daniel Radcliffe. Yep, that's what I've heard, and that's why one of the reasons that I didn't engage wears, with this uh, series <laughs> in a meaningful way growing up, because I was constantly made fun of for looking like Harry Potter. That's very fucking funny. My co-host Haley looks a lot like Harry Potter, too, and her name's Haley, <laughs> and I have said the wrong name before, yes. That, that's funny. She was the one that was on our episode. Yeah. She's she's my favorite of your rotating co-hosts. Oh, she's a lot. Of, I made um I recently posted a survey and made our listeners pick a favorite and Haley won. Yeah, I I, I took part in that survey. Did you vote for Haley? Um, I you don't think, have to disclose. Um I th- If I was being honest, I would have. <laughs> But I think that I found the survey after you posted that nobody voted for you. So I think I voted for you. <laughs> yeah, for a while there, nobody had cast one single vote for me. And I was like, that's fair. I talk a lot. I'm kind of annoying. <laughs> well, I think it's I think part of it is like it's your show. Yeah. So when people think of like who's your favorite, like they think of the like the ones who revolving. aren't always there. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like. If if not, it's you posting, trying to get people to tell you that you're the greatest. But for me. On your for own favorite. podcast, which is <laughs> a bit odd. And also maybe why I might have voted uh, your way. If you, might, if you actually read the uh, responses on all of the questions, which were abundant in all of those things, you might be able to pick mine out because there's uh, some... I think some giveaway uh, sarcasm. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Anyways, uh, Hermione is completely down to go to this death day party, right? Because she's a fucking weirdo, and it's a I new mean that experience. in the best way possible. Yeah. Yeah. She's just really into this. Ron is not, but of course he's incapable of living independently at this point. That's true. He's twelve. I get it. Kind uh, of. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, he's he's curtailing a little bit. If his friends are going to a ghost party instead of his favorite feast of the year, he's going to the ghost party. But he's. <laughs> Also Ron, so he's going to bitch about it. So now D-Day is here, and I don't mean Normandy. <laughs> I mean Death Day party. And I'm going to – this is where I'm going to have to lean on you um, okay. because this is the section that stru- like I struggle with the most. Okay. Um, so the way I've decided that we're going to go through this part of the book is I'm just going to start asking you questions, and you're going to take us home. Okay, great. First question, what the fuck are we doing here? <laughs> wow. Um, wait, who specifically? Ron, Harry, and Hermione, or you and me, the reader? <laughs> yes, at the death day party. Like, what are we doing here? We, and you can actually take that either way you want to go, because I don't know the answer. Because, like, Nearly Headless Nick is also having a terrible time. It's like, it's my death day. I can cry if I want to. Like, he... Yeah. 
I feel like Nearly Headless Nick wanted a day that's all about him. And then, like, at his death day party, he's like, oh, yeah, I'm dead. And none of this matters. And none of it's working out for me. Like, I, <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like, I'm going to have my 30th birthday party. And then, like, you get really drunk. And then you're like, oh, my God, I'm old. And then you're crying. And all your girlfriends are like, no, stop. You're beautiful. Only Nick doesn't have any girlfriends in the bathroom with him to tell him he's beautiful. He's like, he's just he invited his bully to his birth, his death day party. So the answer to your question is, I don't fucking know what we're doing here. It's chaos. <laughs> it, it is. It, it, and what you just said reminds me of a story about my wife that I have to share because it's fucking funny. Um, so her 25th birthday, right? Uh, I'm not going to tell you when that happened. Uh, but Between on 1 her and 10 years birthday, ago. <laughs> she, um, she was like hanging out with her friends. And, of course, they were having some drinks. And she looked around at her friends and she's like, oh, my gosh, guys, I'm halfway to 30. And her friend looked at her and she goes, you're halfway to 50. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's a great way to ruin the party. Oh, and it brings me joy every time I think of it. (laughs) Anyways, next question for you. Would you have come to this thing, this death day party? Um, I probably would have asked. Again, I have speech, and Harry does not sometimes have speech. So when Nick <laughs> asked me to come, I would have probably said, that's really interesting. Can you tell me some more about it? Because if you're asking me to skip dinner to go to a party, I am a fat kid, and I'm finding out if there's food for me. Like, I would have I would have gotten to the bottom of that. Who else is coming? Any of my friends coming? Like, I would have gotten more details. And if I found out that there was not food that I could eat there, I would have said no, because I need to eat dinner. I think that that is a completely logical way to approach it, which is probably why Harry didn't. Yeah. And it also makes my next question kind of useless, because I was going to ask... Would you have stayed more than five seconds after you walked in on what's happening oh, here, but you probably wouldn't have see, gone in the first place the because it wouldn't thing. have had the things that you wanted. It feels like they're only there for 20 minutes, and yet they miss the whole feast. It's like yeah. you were gone for two hours. Like, I, that's definitely, like, when your friend that you don't know very well is having a birthday party that you're not really down to go to, it's like you show up, you give them a present, you make sure they see you, and then mm-hmm. you can leave. You don't have to stay. Yeah. Yeah, I think I'm out. You wouldn't have gone in the first place? Well, I probably wouldn't, but let's say I did. Because, uh, you know, I I can be nice sometimes. Um, But I probably would have walked into this place, looked around, realized that we were the only ones with a pulse, yeah. and that there was no food, and I would have turned around and left. Yeah. It would have been like when I signed up for yoga class in college in the summer as like a one credit course to get me uh-huh, you know, uh-huh. like one credit closer. Yeah. I, the whole time I'm like, what am I doing? I'm not flexible. I don't like, what is <laughs> it this? It makes you and more I, flexible. I walked to the door of the classroom. I looked in the little like, it was a wooden door with just like a, a small peephole. window in it. Yeah, I looked in. And I didn't even open it. I turned around and I walked out and I dropped the class. That's so funny. My w- That's what I would be doing with the death day party. My one credit gym class in college was bowling and that was extremely fun. So we're at the death day party, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so we, we first get there and we get mentions of some of the ghosts that are in attendance. And some of them are going to be important later. Right. 
foreshadow possibly to our divination segment, which is a foreshadow segment, which might be the proper way to use the term meta. <laughs> I'm not quite sure about that. Uh, which one of these ghosts gets you most giddy when you reread the series, specifically when you reread it? Oh not God. like the first time you read it and like, oh, these names or whatever, but like when you get that like t- tingly, oh my gosh, this is going to be important later. Here's your three options. Okay. One, Moaning Myrtle. Uh-huh. Two, the Fat Friar. Uh-huh. Or three, the Bloody Baron. Uh, okay, so Moaning Myrtle is, like, I for me, it's, like, she is really important in this book. And so her introduction here, it's, like, yeah, this is how you would introduce her, is by having her cry at you. So <laughs> I think probably the Bloody Baron? Wait, is he the one who had, like, the love affair with the Grey Lady? Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yeah. So I would yeah. probably him. Well, not the affair. Like, he had, he was Snape. He was obsessed with her. She didn't want him, so he killed oh, her. Oh, great. I love that. Love that so much. Let's keep telling stories about poor men who don't get the women they want. Right. So the woman winds up murdered because Ugh. of the poor man. <laughs> but Snape is a hero. This is why women Anyways. can't just reject men, dude. They're going to end up dead. <sighs> Jesus, I, yeah, we can't go. We can't. We don't have time for that's, all. Of that's that. a sidebar that we just can't go. Um, all right, but you bring up a good point. Why is the gray lady not here? Just introvert. <laughs> okay, I'll follow She's that. She's like, oh, I politely decline. Yeah, Harry, take notes. Um, so as they <laughs> try to avoid Myrtle per Hermione's direction, Ron finds food because, of course, Ron finds food. Classic. How long would it take you to vomit smelling all this rotten food? I I could not be in the same. I'm pretty sensitive <laughs> about this stuff. So as soon as I saw that platter, that buffet of of disgusting foods, I would have to leave the party, lest I vomitus <laughs> maximus everywhere. Yeah, I. Yep. Uh, nope. I'm not doing it. Out. And like once, it's like maybe if I didn't know it was like at the beginning, they don't know it's there. Maybe the it smells a little weird in there. But like the second I knew I was in the same room as that, I would, I'm out. Like I can't, I can't <laughs> not think about it until I'm far away. Yeah, so far away. I, at that point, you can't even go to the real feast because now your stomach's just like done. Yeah, go get like a evening. single piece of toast and like hope yeah. hope that you can slowly <laughs> work it on it throughout the evening. Yeah, so they're there for a little, way longer than we either one of us would have made it. Um, yes. And they start to try to leave the rotten food and maggot table and they run into Peeves. Is Peeves the worst? <laughs> I think he's the best. He's so fucking funny. <laughs> it's just he like doesn't let anyone get away with anything like he is so funny i love him that's so when i ask where you land on him being left out of the movies um i think that it was appropriate to leave him out of the movies just because having a grown-ass man fart in children's faces is like a weird energy to it it, like (laughs) sounds really funny but it like would it would look bad yeah. And like they filmed him and they were like, this isn't working. <laughs> like, we're not doing this. It's yeah. not working. Well, didn't they say that the kids like literally couldn't hold their shit together? That in the couple of scenes that they definitely did. might have been true. Yeah. And from what I hear, I went on a podcast um, 
with some uh, uh, When Harry Met Movies uh, to discuss <laughs> Sorcerer's Stone. Um, and they are oh, overseas. I can't remember exactly where they're at. Sorry, guys. Um, but they were very familiar with the actor that went to play Pete. Oh, I was not, obviously. But um, he said it would have... He's like, it was the perfect casting choice. Wow. Had it made it, it was absolutely perfect because he's absolutely hilarious and he's very physical. So it would have, like, really worked. I also think that, like, if you were to remake Harry Potter today, which don't, but if you did, I think <laughs> that the gra- the graphics capabilities that we have now are much better suited to that kind of thing. Yeah, because it could have been all CGI and not needed a literal physical yeah human and you can just grown do up so to much be more. there like, doing all it. of the ghosts in the harry yeah. potter movies are very ghosty like none of them are moving their bodies they're just like floating around and they're gray yeah. and see-through but like peeves is like another story he's like concrete it says it makes special note in this chapter that he is like opaque he's like very mm-hmm. silly and so you can't just make him like this floating ghost thing. Like he has to be like really interacting with the things around him. Yeah. And I think that we're a lot better equipped to do something like that now than we were in uh, like 97 or whenever they started filming the movies. Yeah. hundred um, percent. So they, and I, and I've, I've started to think of Peeves as a they, uh, because it's a poltergeist, which is what like a physical representation of, mischievous activity at hogwarts right like not a ghost who ever lived as a human in any way so it's it is more of an it they situation that i've completely started overthinking um yeah when i started to type he and it's like no well no like it's a more of a statue with nothing it's like the movie dogma at this point (laughs) for peeves i think Uh, anyways peeves calls myrtle over to make everyone just as uncomfortable as humanly possible oh my god i love it so much he's like oh were you just talking (laughs) shit about myrtle hey myrtle hey myrtle they were just but he can't even so he can't even just bring myrtle in to make the people uncomfortable he also has to shit all over myrtle in the process and them he's so it's like just, equal opportunity just he's just fuckery. ruining everything yeah he is he's like he um is. the me you know that meme of like the little girl like giggling and there's like a house on fire behind her like he's <laughs> that meme he's like ah, yeah like what i did <laughs> chaos yeah chaos um so is moaning myrtle is as a character like, does she get at all redeemed when we learn about the circumstances of how she died later in the book? Or does no. she just kind of just suck? She just sucks. She does. She sucks. Okay, moving on. <laughs> Nick kind of saves them just in time for this weird, like, entrance where everybody gets quiet and apparently anticipates the grand entrance of the Headless Hunt. Maybe those, like, ghost powers, they're like, an odd, chilly calm came over the crowd. Was it weird that I noted that I picked up on like everybody stopped before they came? That is in? weird. I mean, it's not weird of you to pick up on it. It's it's weird that that <laughs> happened. It's part of their presentation. Yeah, and these are the people that, like you said, he invited his bully. So, like, why? Yeah, I don't know, man. Yeah. How did you think this was gonna go, Nick? Like, what did you think was gonna happen? Yeah, I don't. I don't understand. Uh, 
whatever. We're finally getting out of this awkward celebration of gloom and doom. <laughs> Please. Um, when Harry starts hearing voices again, and they're saying the kind of shit that you expect in a children's book. Rip. Tear. Kill. <laughs> so hungry for so long. Time to kill. There's nothing creepy about this at all. No. Very normal. It totally makes sense for 12-year-olds to read this. What the fuck? Anyway, Harry's the only one who hears it. It's apparently loud enough that he can understand the words, but it's not loud enough for Ron and Hermione to hear anything. Yeah, this is going to come up later in the show. Uh, um, Harry's making him chase the voices, giving them a play-by-play of what he's hearing, because obviously they don't know what the fuck. Guys, it's bad. He is not saying nice things. We got to go. Yeah, we have to find this thing. Yeah, uh, he's got him running around like idiots, and then then we see it. Uh, the Chamber of Secrets has been opened. Enemies of the air, beware. In, like, blood on the wall. Isn't it chicken's blood? Isn't that what it is? Rooster yeah, blood I or whatever? So. Or is it just red paint? I don't know. <laughs> um, underneath it is it, Mrs. Norris hanging from the wall. And the the trio just freezes. And Ron's like, we need to go. We need to go. <laughs> and the ever they're like, what? And Ron's like, no, I swear to God, we have to fucking go. Too late. Yeah. It, as astute as Ron has ever been, which is naturally perfect timing for them to get <laughs> caught there anyways. <laughs> uh, but apparently the whole school. Yeah, the whole school. Everyone. Everyone. Taking the same corridor, same exact time because. Reasons. Plot? Draco Malfoy. He should have been going down, but they're up on a corridor, and yeah. he's there for plot reasons. And, like, the movie makes this even stupider because it's not Halloween. It's not the death day party. It's just class gets out, and they're, like, in the middle of the hallway, not in class for whatever reason. And it's like, but it's the, the whole middle of the school night. is right here. That's what I'm saying. Like, the timeline in the movie never adds up. It never, ever adds up. No, it, because he comes from Lockhart's detention. Yes, exactly. He's like, oh, we've been here nearly four hours. You haven't had dinner. It's getting so late. Yes. It's like, oh, well, not late enough for the kids to all be out of bed walking the corridors. We're all, for, yeah, we're I, all here now. <laughs> I don't know. So Draco shouldn't be here. He also shouldn't be shouting racial slurs at any muggle-born within earshot. But... Thank God his dad's an asshole. So he's not responsible for any of his behavior. Yeah. Ever. Still, you should stop, though. <laughs> Draco. Don't. No. Don't say it. Don't say it. The Draco apologists and social media warriors will cancel your podcast if you, <laughs> if you decide that Draco has any agency at all over any of his actions at any point. <laughs> but he uh, does. You don't... <laughs> you don't have to be screaming. Whatever, dude. <laughs> right. That you, yeah. I every episode I manage to somehow get annoyed at this justification of how shitty of a person Draco is, especially the creepy ass smile that he gets and the joy he gets out of seeing this cat hanging oh, there. Oh God! Well, okay. Which cats aren't are? Here's something that you might not know, listeners. Cats are not monkeys. Their tails are not prehensile. They don't grab or rap on things. The notion that Mrs. Norris is hanging by her tail is not like a cat thing. 
which when I was a kid, I was like, oh, she must have just been chilling upside down. No. Oh, I never took it that way. I always, I always took it that she was displayed. But they they make a thing. She was upside down looking into the puddle, and that's how she got petrified. Oh, see, I guess I didn't, I didn't ever read it that way. Like I know she saw through the puddle. I always thought she was just looking down. Okay, that's the only thing and that makes she sense. She was. She was hung up. Oh my god, there, Jenny like, was like, "I'm gonna put this on cat. display." Yeah, um, my cat That's how heard us talking it. about Mrs. Norris and came up and had a little something to say. And is uh, is that is hanging by her tail? Are you full of shit right now? Because I totally think that's happening. Oh my god, Dante. here's my cat. What would you like to say? Mrs. Norris was a good cat. Mrs. Norris was very, very mean. Oh, she was mean. Um, I just finished, oh, no, it was, um, we recently released a bonus episode about My Immortal, the terrible mm-hmm. Harry Potter fan fiction. I know. I haven't heard the whole thing, but I have been listening <laughs> you don't to really that really need episode. to read the whole thing. But they call... Oh, no, I haven't read a damn sentence good, of that good. fan you, fiction. I've just you, listened to you guys talk about it for a while. It'll make you go insane. Um, I'm insane now. Um, but they, <laughs> it's like, um, one of my co-hosts said that the fan fiction displays a gross oh wait uh hold on fuck what was the wording um like it's not just like a misunderstanding of the source material it's like an abject disrespect of the source material like in the way that it gets things wrong and so it talks about uh mr norris the caretaker and his cat filth (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's about right and far from the most egregious thing that's in that book (laughs) it's very based on what you've told me through your body. but i was thinking about that because earlier in the chapter filch comes in running and he's like filth <laughs> come here filth <laughs> we're gonna catch him this time uh anyways uh i okay so i was gonna get into a draco thing here we kind of already did so we'll we'll skip the draco thing i guess is there anything else on the chapter specifically that like we missed chronologically to running through that you wanted to bring up. Hmm. Let me think. Not really. I just like in the very first paragraph the way that it's like, yeah, Ginny was looking really pale. Like she obviously had a cold, you know, this whole book, it peppers in <laughs> peppers and <in> little stuff <laughs> about how Ginny's like not doing good, but you would never notice unless yeah. you knew. You're absolutely right, and I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't clock it in this one. Really? Exactly. I, I know it happens. Like, I know it's late in there. I know they set her up in, like, she's almost spiraling yeah. throughout the entire it's book. It's like, oh, she's pale because she's about to commit cat murder. Yeah, I didn't clock it in this chapter because it's hidden in there with, like, everybody sick. She's not well. Huh. That should have been in an upcoming segment of the show and i'm just gonna tell you it's not for me <laughs> although it should have been uh but that does wrap up uh the chapter bringing us to this episode is brought to you by anchor if you haven't heard about anchor by spotify it's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer 
And when hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcasts on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Explainiarmus. It's time to disarm your reluctancy and explain how you can support this podcast. Belated Binge is a fully independent production. I read the books, write the script, record the episode, edit the recording, pick and produce the sounds, manage the content schedule, manage social media, promote the podcast, and feed producer Jack. Any costs from equipment to software to website development, marketing, any of that comes out of my pocket. And despite how many times I've been told we look alike, I'm no Harry Potter. No half giant has ever taken me to a bank full of cash and said, hey, you're rich. Having a podcast takes a lot and it's not easy. So your support is literally the only thing that keeps the show going. And there are a few key ways you can support the podcast. First, word of mouth is absolutely huge. If you enjoy the show, please tell every one of your Potterhead friends to give it a shot. Also, Many of the pod players now support a rating and review function. Apple, Spotify, Good Pods, Podchaser, just to name a few. And it takes about four seconds to leave a five-star rating on the app. This can be greatly impactful. If you have more than four seconds, and the app that you're using supports written reviews, that's even better. Think about how reliant we are on reviews. Whether you're buying something new or deciding what book to read next, we're always looking at ratings and reviews to weigh into our decision. Podcasts are no different, and your positive review could be the difference in someone discovering the show and deciding to give it a chance. Another great way to support the show is engaging in the conversation yourself, whether it be answering the specific questions I pose during the show or on social media. Maybe you just have a theory of your own or you want to leave some feedback. I'd love to hear from you and maybe even share it on the podcast. You can submit your thoughts by leaving a voicemail on the website, belatedbinge.com. Just click the little leave a voicemail icon on the page that you visit. If you don't like the sound of your own voice, you can also respond in written form by using the contact form on the website, leaving comments or DMs on social media. My handle is belatedbinge across Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. And you can also email belatedbinge at gmail.com. The final and perhaps most impactful form of support is to become a patron on Patreon. I've made a ton of updates to Patreon membership benefits this season and some goals to shoot for as well. There are currently six tiers available designed to fit any budget level ranging from $1 to $20 with all the bells and whistles. So Benefits range from early access to ad-free versions of the show, recognition on the website, bonus episodes, patron shoutouts, show prep notes, insider participation, bingey award participation, input on show content and future benefits, a drawing for a physical gift sent from me to you and others. I've also set some growth goals that will unlock new benefits for existing tiers and maybe even adding some more stuff as we go. The first goal is to get 10 total patrons, at which point I will start a patrons Discord server. However you choose to support the show, thank you. I truly appreciate it. Now, let's get you back into the flow of the episode. Lumos. Lumos. 
Let's pull out our wands, light the tips, but we're not blowing smoke. We're here to illuminate ghosts. This chapter is easily the most time that we've spent with ghosts so far, and definitely the most we see at one time in one given place throughout the series. We we learn a few things, like that they celebrate the date of their death, like we celebrate a birthday, which is weird, but cool, I, I guess, and that it takes on a little bit of a funeral feel, which makes sense. Like you said, it's my death day, I'll cry if I want to. Um... <laughs> So I figure aside from like the specific scenes with specific ghosts, this is as good a time as any for this podcast to really just talk about the ghosts in this series. So I'm going to start like recapping a few things that we know about ghosts. Each of the Hogwarts houses has their own ghosts, and those ghosts are the ones we get to know pretty much at all in the series. In this chapter, we get a mention of the ghosts for your house as a Hufflepuff, the Fat Friar. Of course, he's fat. <laughs> How do you feel about his representation in the story? What representation? I don't think he ever gets to do anything. That's, yeah, the, it, it literally stands out to me that he's the one that doesn't matter. Kind of like the whole house. Yeah, like... Like, the the author was like, ooh, cute little name, Fat Friar. And then was like, oh, I guess Hufflepuff needs a ghost. Okay, you can have the Fat Friar. And then, like, <laughs> okay, and I'm done. Pretty much. Uh, that's... And that's about as notoriety... Uh, m- as much notoriety as the house and the ghost yeah. get in one place. Yeah. Which is, I guess, sad, but also, I don't really... Uh, have the connection with the houses that some others in the fandom do. I so. think the Fat Friar's just a nice guy. I get the same vibe, I guess. Yeah. He's just—he's he's almost like a guy. He's like the guidance counselor for Hufflepuff House. Oh, that's that's a fun little yeah, I like canon. That. I always think of him just because he's right next to the kitchens all the time, and that's where the dorm is. Yeah. So he just ends up their ghost. <laughs> Anyways, um, we we spend time with Nick the most, uh, obviously, because he's the Gryffindor ghost, and this whole story is told through the perspective of a Gryffindor student. So his main uh, contribution, I would say, to the story is when Sirius dies, and he kind of consoles Harry, for lack of a better term, um, explains to him how and why Sirius wouldn't become a ghost. Yeah. The Grey Lady is a huge uh, point, like, yeah. character in the series, because um, it turns out she's Helena Ravenclaw, Rowena's, which is a founder of Hogwarts, by the way, daughter who stole the lost diadem, which is why it was lost. <laughs> um, intentionally and she, lost. Yeah, intentionally lost. And then she let Tom Riddle go get it and turn it into a horcrux. Uh, stick around for that chapter in spring of 2028. Um, <laughs> I do the same shit over on my podcast. So I'm like, tune back in in four yeah. years. Yeah. Uh, apparently, and we mentioned this earlier, the Bloody Baron is the obsession-driven maniac that stabbed her to death. Uh, obsession seeming to be an unwritten character requirement for Slytherins okay. that we talk about in the series. So, go ahead. So... If he's if he stabbed her 
he made her dead. Mm-hmm. She is mm-hmm. a ghost. She comes back to Hogwarts. Years later, he dies and follows her to Hogwarts for all eternity. Uh, more instantaneous than that. Uh, Did he kill himself according... right away? Yes. Okay. Well, he still followed her to Hogwarts, and he should probably fuck off. They should probably fire him. Yeah, and apparently the chains are symboliz- symbolism to her. Like, so he's, like, showing her that he will wear these chains for, you know, his, the rest of his damnation and eternity Good. or whatever, like, as a penance for murdering her. He should also maybe I... leave her alone. Yep, yeah, probably. Go to a different location. Um, yeah, but, like, I mean, this whole fucking series has to happen at Hogwarts. Like, you yeah. can't have anything that happens outside of Hogwarts, apparently, um, which is why every romantic partnership Ugh. in this series sucks because like everybody marries their high school yeah. sweetheart whatever yeah. I, uh, but it did take me down this little rabbit hole of obsession like why is there so much obsession in the slytherin house bloody baron's obsessed with helena snape is obsessed with lily draco is obsessed with harry slughorn is obsessed with collecting children tom riddle is obsessed with immortality power and himself and all of them we meet uh, are obsessed with blood purity, leading back to Salazar himself, who was also obsessed with himself enough to put a statue of his own face in the Chamber of Secrets, which we're going to love getting to look at in, I don't know, several weeks. <laughs> I'm pretty certain that's not a movieism. Um, yeah, I think I could you're be right about corrected. That. But the Fat Friar doesn't do shit. <laughs> no, he's just there to help. Nothing. Just there uh, so that's fun what character from this series do you think would most likely choose coming back as a ghost? The way that being a ghost is portrayed in this world, it, especially as you mentioned when they're talking about like serious, mm-hmm. it, it seems like it's like a bad move of at least the way that Nick, if I'm remembering correctly, mm-hmm. the way that Nick describes it is it's like a bad move that like a coward would do kind of and so i almost feel like someone like slughorn would become a ghost because he's like afraid to move Mm. on he just wants to stay where he's comfortable i like that take i i think that's a really i think that's a really interesting interpretation of it what about Um, you i could see snape oh yeah unfinished business forever yeah, I th- well, I'm I'm sure that the Snape stands would say that he would go on and like finally apologize to Lily or some shit in the afterlife. Ew. But sorry, I think yeah, in the afterlife I Lily doesn't he's... have to talk to Snape anymore. Right, right. I've also heard some people say that uh, to the people who think that Snape would go and finally be with Lily or whatever, like she would just slap the shit out of him and say like, "You made my kid's life fucking yeah." Hell. I've Fuck been you. watching. <laughs> yeah. Um. So I don't think that's it. I think he's pretty much just a miserable sack of shit because he wouldn't have anything to go on to. Yeah. Like, is he just going to go hang out with Dumbledore? Yeah. If he does go (laughs) on? His only friend. Yeah. So I think realistically, because he doesn't have, like, he really is written as nothing to live for. Nothing to also with, (laughs) yeah, and like, well, at least nothing to look forward to in afterlife so i could see him his character um being a a decent um ghost option 
I also think about Cedric. Oh. Mostly on your like kind of young, kind of immature, kind of unfinished business. Like, yeah, I wasn't ready live yet. His life, yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, and that's actually something I can't take all the credit for. That's something I heard in a published fan fiction. Um, I listened to it as an audiobook, which I don't think is on YouTube anymore, but it was. Um, it's the James Potter series oh, yeah. by you were telling me about G. That, right? Norman Lippert. Yeah. Um, in his, he wrote Cedric as a ghost in Harry's son, like Harry's kid's timeline. Yeah. Wow. Uh, so it was interesting. It, it was interesting. Um, and honestly, the books weren't bad. Uh, they beat the hell out of Cursed Child nice. all up and down the block. Um, I'll have to check those out. Cedric never became a Death Eater, I'll tell you that. Um, and Harry didn't emotionally abuse his children, so there was that too. Uh, Does that happen the... in Cursed Child? Yeah. God, I don't know anything about Cursed Child. I only know like the very, oh, yeah, I know, like, the very basic plot because my brother Just read it, and I was like, I'm not even going to read it. Please explain it to me. So I made my brother explain it to me. I was a, I was a very unfortunate soul. Um, this was the biggest downfall aside from like, you know, this fandom is pretty fucking cool. So like having known more about it at the time, maybe would have been beneficial for me. But the, one of the biggest downfalls to reading this series through as like a 25 year old man, it happened to coincide with the release of cursed child. Yeah. So like, I was just, I had finished the series. I was kind of like going through podcasts. I was, uh, watching youtube videos and theories and stuff like that i was sort of just going down the rabbit right. hole when they released cursed yeah. child as the eighth story oh, so i immediately read it and oh my gosh is it awful yeah uh anyways um but the but this one i found a also on accident i don't even remember i, I must have been very bored um <laughs> needing something to to listen to and i stumbled across it and i started it and tried it and i'm like the plot gets bonkers. I'm just going to say that. The the plot gets bonkers throughout. There's five books. Yeah. It's a five-book series. Um, But it felt more like Harry Potter adjacent enough to be enjoyable. The writing style yeah. like, was pretty solid. The descriptive, um, the descriptive style was reminiscent of Harry uh-huh. Potter. Um, and it was the the characters and some story choices that got a little silly. Um, like one thing, not to spoil anything for anybody, but like one of the main points is that Merlin comes back. Oh, that's kind of cool. And, and ends up headmaster at Hogwarts. And then Albus Dumbledore ends up with a doppelganger, (laughs) which is a totally fucked up like thing. So if you're going to read the books, I'm actually interested in how that goes for, I would love for you to, do it and tell me how it goes um because literally nobody else i know is ever going to read these things um but they're they're pretty decent but the i bring all of that up because they also have an explanation like of how ghosts come to be uh-huh. uh and in this book series it takes like years for them to actually become like visible and able to actually interact with like the living world wow. um it doesn't really have any merit on the real harry potter canon but i just thought it was really interesting and uh like cedric's character explains it in that that is Um, really cool yeah he has he has a bigger role as a ghost in that series than he ever (laughs) did in harry potter when he was it reminds me of ghost starring patrick swayze to be more in wolfie goldberg the way that he have you ever seen that 
ye, I would have been a kid. Okay, well, it's one of it's one of my like I, movies. I, I love it. I remember. I don't remember it scene by scene. Yeah, but it, it basically it's like Patrick Swayze is dead and he's a ghost and he's spoilers for the first ten minutes of the movie. He's dead, um, <laughs> and he's like trying to communicate something very important with his wife who or girlfriend who is still living, and it's like <laughs> very hard for him to interact with the. It's like he over the course of two hours he has to learn how to interact with the physical plane so that he can like warn her and it starts Mm. it starts with like he's trying to like kick a can i think in a subway station and (laughs) it's just it's very fun Hmm. yeah i don't remember all of that i think i just remember like bits and scenes and maybe that means i didn't actually watch it as a kid i only saw the previews i don't know um speaking of ghosts in movies though are you satisfied with the stuff that we got from the ghosts in the movies? Uh, you know, they did. It, it, they took out. You had to have ghosts because you have to have Elena Ravenclaw. Yeah, but like, right. they don't really matter. Besides that, in the in yeah. Sorcerer's Stone, it's like for for the vibes. Ooh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Look how whimsical, yeah, how fun, like, eh, magic and ghosts. You know, I don't really yeah, care. All that shit. Oh, and you have to have Moaning Myrtle. I forgot about her. So yeah, she's her fun. Too. Her performance is really excellent. That character is fun. But but like Sir Nicholas, it's like, mm, we don't really need him. No. Because the main thing that he does that's actually important wasn't in yeah. it. Yeah, yep. So anyway. Anything else on ghosts interests you to talk about? Um. Uh, in this chapter, Sir Nick is reading a ghost letter. Where'd you get that ghost letter from? Did a ghost <laughs> owl bring it? when a ghost touches a piece of paper does it become ghost paper well they can't touch the paper that's why peeves has to be the one to drop the cabinet right because like the ghosts can't actually touch things do ghosts have like a thriving commerce where they're like selling ghost paper ghost paper ghost quills there's a lot of ghost owls because like ghost candles i guess because like you know they don't have any uh modern technology in the wizarding world apparently even though they live amongst muggles most of the time that's true also ghost clothes because sir nicholas is described as wearing a shirt with a very high ruff to cover his scars but they would not have beheaded him in a high ruff that's something he would have gotten later you are 100 percent right because if you're going to behead someone you want to see where their neck is so you can behead them so uh i just have a lot of questions about where ghosts get their things from it must be those years in between that cedric was talking about in the fan fiction those years in between are like at the beginning of sims when you're creating your sim and you're like i want this thing i want this thing so you have to like get all your (laughs) items and it takes a while for you to recorporealize and then you're yeah yeah I think it was just his way of, because it ends up coming back to, like, I think it became important in that book series that it takes, like, 20 years or something, or whatever, yeah, like, 20 years yeah. or something for them to come to right. be, so it, it ends up, I guess, making sense, I don't know, whatever, it doesn't matter, this is a Harry Potter podcast, not a fan fiction <laughs> podcast, particularly only the one of two fan fictions I've ever read in my life, the other being Cursed Child. <laughs> um, so let's do some 
divination. It's time to highlight four moments in the chapter that foreshadow something to come in the future. One, Harry finding Filch's quickspell pamphlet and friend George Weasley having their own drawer in Filch's office. They've obviously been in there a lot. And this quick glance and mention is a bit of a foreshadow to how we later find out that they got their hands on the Marauder's map which will become a key magical object in the series for Harry and a connection to his father. And it's kind of hinted at, we, we can at least see the scene, right? It looks a little bit like what Harry was just going through, except instead of finding Viagra uh, pamphlets, they found the Marauder's Map. <laughs> Two, the vanishing cabinet peeves drops to try to get Harry out of trouble. That's this is the very... Yeah, this is the very cabinet that has a twin that we've already seen in another divination segment in Borgen and Burks, the pair that Draco uses to get the Death Eaters into Hogwarts and kill Dumbledore in Book 6. He learns about it because of Montague, I think that's his name, getting stuck in this one when it's broken. It's broken right now. Yeah. This is why Draco has to fix it all year. And there's more connections to book six. Ring theory fun! I think I asked this in a, diff- uh, a different um, segment of this, but is Dumbledore's death uh, Fred and George's fault? Uh, you know. Um, well, actually, it, it, <clears throat> I was re-listening to our Death Day episode today, and Haley postul- postulated? Postulated? Haley postured. Haley said, "Is it is Dumbledore's death Cedric Diggory's fault? No, no, no. Um, Oliver Wood's fault for doing these like crazy Quidditch practices and like leading Harry to like walk in with mm. the mud." Um. Okay. A lot of factors I can... that are coming together to kill Dumbledore. I think. Yeah, you got to go a little bit for, but that doesn't explain the instant darkness powder that Draco uses to get the Death Eaters from Cabinet into Castle. Yeah, you're right about that. That's Fred and George's fault, too. Yeah, well, you know. So, the Cabinet, the darkness powder. They just make tools, and tools can be used for good or evil. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm Mm-hmm. We're... The world is not split into uh, good people and death eaters. Um, Meeting Moaning Myrtle is our foreshadow number three at the death day party. Her introduction and Hermione explaining how she haunts the girls' bathroom and all the blah, 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 blah. All this foreshadows the trio using the privacy of that bathroom to make the Polyjuice Potion they use later in this book and try to find out if Draco is the heir of Slytherin. Fourth foreshadow for me, enemies of the air, beware. You'll be next, mudbloods. Draco's a little piece of shit. But that doesn't exclude this from being a foreshadow, because the next petrifications that happen at Hogwarts will be muggle-born students. So that's my four. Do you have any foreshadowing that you like from this chapter? Yeah, there's the one I mentioned earlier um, with Ginny <laughs> and the pepper-up potion. She's not good, yeah. and there's little mentions throughout the whole book of her just not not doing too good. Not doing too good, because apparently she's being possessed. I can't believe this is her first year of school. I can't believe she comes back for a second. Yeah, she's... And is that kind of one of the 
foundational pieces of book Ginny being just a total badass. I guess, yeah, because she endures just this, that she's she able to. Yeah, she's just like, yeah, yeah, but she's just gonna go on and still be awesome. Yeah, and, and I, I think at the end of this book, there's some kind of a line where it's like, well, and Ginny's fine. She's back to normal. And I'm like, she's not fine. She's she is not, not fine. fine. She needs therapy. <laughs> yes. Yes, along with a whole lot of people from this yeah. series. Uh, cool. So that wraps up Divination. Uh, let's give away some... House Points. House Points. In true Hogwarts fashion, these points are completely subjective with no oversight and fully at my discretion. This week, I'm giving house points to Nearly Headless Nick, who's getting 10 for getting Harry out of trouble. Peeves is getting 5 for carrying out the actual cabinet dropping plan that gets him out of trouble-ish. Harry's getting 5 for supporting Nick and going to the death day party, I guess. Hermione and Ron are both getting five as well for going along with it, sacrificing an actually enjoyable meal for this weird, glorified funeral. Uh, I'm also taking away house points from Filch, who's losing five for being a total power-hungry dick to Harry. Flu or not, he's an asshole. Um, Nick is losing five, so five of his ten are being taken back for making Harry miss the real feast and go to his stupid death day party, ultimately putting him in a position to hear the basilisk and put them in a bad spot at the scene of the crime. Maybe five's not enough. Uh, Harry is also losing his five for dragging his friends to this stupid death day party. Uh, I am taking five from the headless hunt for one existing and two being pricks and another five for the head of the headless hunt guy. Thank you. Uh, for being extra dickish. And Draco is losing 25 for being a racist piece of shit multiple times in this chapter. Did I miss anyone that you liked or didn't like or want to throw some points around? Um, (laughs) Okay, I was going to... I'll give Ginny, like, 15 points for managing to petrify... uh, to take down the world's most evil cat without getting caught. 25 points for petrifying evil cat. <laughs> yes. um, Not getting caught. That's that's impressive because that's kind of a bad <laughs> thing to do, but um, getting points for it because of the cat in question. I'm used to like D&D where it's like, yeah, she rolled a nat 20 on stealth for that one, you know. <laughs> I also want to give uh, Madame Pomfrey some points for taking care of all these sick, nasty children. Let's give her 10 points. Yeah, uh, sick, nasty children. Yeah, they're no fun to deal with. I don't even, like, it, yeah. Uh, All right, so all these points are going to go in my nerdy-ass spreadsheet as soon as I actually create the spreadsheet. I promise I will before the end of the season so I can tally (laughs) them up for the Bingies Awards. Uh, Before we go, I have to acknowledge moments in the episode that were utterly ridiculous. It's not an episode of The Binge if we don't call out what didn't make any sense. Starting with Harry hearing these voices clear and loud enough to make out the words. On a reread, we know that this is Parseltongue, snake language, and it makes sense that Ron and Hermione, or anyone else for that matter, don't understand the words that are being said. But if Harry can hear the words, they should absolutely hear the hiss. Right. There's nothing anyone can say that's going to make me believe otherwise. Do you want to try? Or are you with I'm me with on, you that? on that? One. 
Mm, Unless yeah. they're like, oh, the pipes are just old and making noises. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I just can't. Uh, the fact that Draco's able to shout racial slurs with no consequences <laughs> all is completely ridiculous. For one, an older student would kick his ass, or a prefect would escalate the issue to a professor for disciplinary yeah. actions. Or at the very least, like, you went to grade school at some point in time in your life, right? Yes. What do 12-year-olds do when someone calls them a name that they don't like? Um, they clap back. They're like, hey, no, that's not true. You're a butthead. Maybe <laughs> in the moment some kids do that. That's true. Some are a little bit more confrontational. In my experience, a lot of them run and tattle to a teacher. <laughs> but Harry hates authority, so he's not going to be tattling to a teacher. Right, but this just happened in a crowd of students. Right. One of them is running to a teacher, and unless it's Snape, any professor that hears this would take immediate action. Yeah, it's true. So, what about you? Anything that we read in this chapter that you're just like, no, I call bullshit. Doesn't make any sense. Uh, I think, like, the the intentional rotting of food so that ghosts can, <sighs> quote, almost taste it is like a huge waste of food for for (laughs) no reason it's and a human has a a living human has to clean that up like i i don't i don't get that um also the fact that they uh felt like they had to go to the feast or the party and they couldn't just do a little bit of both that's ridiculous yep it 100 percent is Uh, With that, we've reached the end of this episode of The Binge. Christina, I cannot thank you enough for slumming it on my podcast. Uh, This was a lot of fun. What do you want to plug, promote, anything? The floor is yours before we Yay! Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm so so happy to be on the show. And um, please check out the Restricted section, which is my Harry Potter Slander Harry Potter Book Club podcast. Um, If you would like to start with the chapter Veritas Serum from last season, that's the one that's Zach came on and that was extremely fun longest episode ever (laughs) um and yeah we'll be starting order of the phoenix at the end of august so those episodes come out every wednesday so please check us out also if you're a writer um please or a reader please check out wildling press which is my the small press that i co-founded with some colleagues um we publish a lot of like science fiction and fantasy stuff and we have a lot of tools for writers including a podcast called how do i book so lots of fun i got lots of fun little projects to to check out i liked how you did the uh how do i book preview on the restricted section and went from like the hogwarts house's perspective yeah there's four there's four of us who created this company together and we are each one hogwarts house so we're like the four founders of hogwarts and you didn't like disown your child after she stole something from you and then sent the uh bounty hunter that would murder her (laughs) Which is awesome. And you didn't create a chamber that uh, was supposed to murder children. Um, You didn't. What did the other two do? I didn't hide a sword and a hat. That's what Gryffindor did that, right? The sword comes out of the hat. Yeah, I... Rabbit cruelty, I guess. Pick a sword instead. (laughs) Yes, dad jokes. As always, shout out to producer Jack, who I work like a dog. Remember to follow and subscribe to the show on whatever podcast player you're using. And if 
sports a rating and review option, please leave one. And if you're so inclined, check out the additional benefits available on patreon.com slash belated binge. I put a lot of work into those. It would be great if you would take advantage of them. If you're reading along next episode, we will be covering chapter nine of Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets that I can't think of the name off the, the top of my head right now. Or is that some other writing on the wall? I normally have it written down, but I forgot to write it down for uh, this. It, it is the writing on the wall. Reading. The writing on the wall. See, this is why you have an actual Harry Potter podcaster on <laughs> the Harry Potter podcast. Until then, I'll see you next time on the Belated Binge Podcast. The chatter, the bustle, the noise died suddenly as the people in front spotted the hanging cat. Harry, Ron, and Hermione stood alone in the middle of the corridor as silence fell among the mass of students pressing forward to see the grisly sight. Then someone shouted through the quiet, Enemies of the air, beware! You'll be next, mudbloods! It was Draco Malfoy. He had pushed to the front of the crowd, his cold eyes alive, his usually bloodless face flushed as he grinned at the sight of the hanging immobile cat. Listen to Kanye West like back when he was just a cocky, preppy, like new rapper, and before he decided he was God himself. Uh, his song um, "Workout" that had like a skit right in the middle of it. Oh, I don't know if I've ever heard that version. I it's like I don't know what a uh, thanks to Kanye's new workout tape. I done da, 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 like this whole thing. Like I this is how I read the quick spell thing. Oh, that's funny. I'll have to go listen to that. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> Nobody ever knows. It what reads I'm like about. a music video interlude. <laughs> right. That's like um, I've been rewatching SpongeBob lately, and like oh. SpongeBob was trying to tell me a lot of things when I was a kid, was. and I was only was. I wasn't prepared as a child to like hear those messages. But yeah. in my adulthood, I'm like, oh my god, he was trying to tell me that capitalism is a trap. Like he was uh, really trying to. SpongeBob was written to be an adult cartoon comedy and then like it was just adjusted because really? it got picked up for kids yeah <gasps> that look that up because so i don't know much. all the details that tracks so much if i'm not mistaken i'm pretty sure that the origin of that show i could be totally full of shit here <laughs> by the way but i seem to remember what i read was spongebob was supposed to be adult like comedy like an adult cartoon and spongebob and patrick were supposed to be in a relationship together wow and that was supposed to be in i mean during that time that would have been very you know uh, controversial yeah exactly and it was supposed to be like very edgy humor all around that and whatnot i believe wow but it actually got picked up as a kid's show so like 
some of the nods are still there. Like they're still very, very Dude, close to each other. There's still a lot of rainbow references. Yeah. Like there's oh still some stuff in there. There's still like adult. That whole episode where they have a baby clam and they're like a married couple. My bowling story is that when I was a senior in high school, uh, a buddy of mine got word that they weren't going to have enough guys trying out for the bowling team to have one. Oh. And uh, I had a vested interest in there being a bowling team. Um, so we were like, fuck it. Like, let's just go. We tried out. And, of course, there were like 15 freaking people there. And I'm too damn competitive to give up. <laughs> so, you know, I. Did you make the team? Yeah, I made varsity. Um, <laughs> varsity bowling. Did you get a jacket? <laughs> Did you get a, a letter? No, no. I, well, yeah, I lettered, but I didn't. I never had a jacket. Wow. Wow.